Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the What's Next podcast. I am your host, Tiffany Bova, and I have the pleasure of welcoming back a guest for the second time. Mark Bonchek was one of my probably first dozen or so guests all the way back in 2016. So it took me this many years to convince him that he needed to come back. (laughs) So Mark Bonchek is the founder and CEO, the chief epiphany officer of Shift Thinking. His mission is to enable leaders and organizations to adapt and thrive in a world of discontinuity, disruption, and exponential change. His latest project is Epiphany Labs, an explorer's club for 21st century leaders. That's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome to the show, Mark. Oh, it's so good to be here. It was an honor the first time, and I'm even more honored to be back again. Well, you know the drill. We are going to dive into this with something I call bullish and bearish. Bullish is you are for it. Bearish, you are against it. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. All right. First one self-driving cars bullish or bullish oh bullish all right second one robot surgeons bullish all right third one crypto bullish you know i had a feeling all three were going to be bullish but you were like emphatically bullish and i think we will we will get more into that but you know to catch everybody up the reason i had mark on the first time was if you didn't listen to it, the original show, and then I've reloaded it, so you might've caught it, was we talked about something that I had not ever wrapped my arms around, if you will, or my mind around, if you will. And the way Mark described mental models sort of completely shifted me, hence the name of his company, Shift Thinking. Did you like how I did that? (laughs) That was well done. Thank you. It totally shifted my thinking where I use it often on stage, I'll say it in passing. And I know I don't give it enough time because there's so many things you can say under it, but I'm going to give you a couple of foundational questions just to level set everybody around some of these concepts, because I think if you really start to dive into them and understand them better, they will go a long way to the remainder of our conversation. So the first is what is a mental model? So a mental model is the way that we think about something. It's not what we think, it's the way that we think about it. And it's different than like an attitude or sometimes we say a mindset. It isn't really a belief. A lot of it is often unconscious and it informs how we then make decisions and take actions. And the example that I like to use is from physics actually, where you have like a Newtonian view of the world, which is kind of billiard balls bumping into each other. And then Einstein came along and said, no, 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 everything's relative. And then you have quantum, which is a totally different way of looking at the world. The world is the world, but those are three different mental models. And depending on which model you use, you get very different results and different outcomes. Building a computer with Newtonian in the Newtonian world you get an abacus and you build it in a quantum computer and you know you can power a super collider. So it really makes a difference what our mental model is. And it's not that one is right and one is wrong. Exactly. Exactly. It's just it's, they're different. They're just different. It's like the, I know you talk a lot about jobs to be done. It's what is the thinking we need here? So we don't think about our thinking as a tool. What, what is our mental model? 
of the thing. You know, think about how many times are you in a meeting where we go right into, here's the problem, what are we going to do about it? We don't stop and say, hold on, how should we be thinking about this? What's the right way to think about it? So I often give this example, and now based on what you just said, maybe I have been incorrect in my example. So let me float it by you. All right. So I would say, you know, many eons ago, for those of you who may remember, United stood up a airline called TED to compete with Southwest. And so how Southwest was successful was the hub and spoke model. So if you're sitting down with the problem and you go, we have to compete against this airline, this scrappy little airline, right? That is doing a hub and spoke model. And we don't do that. Like that's not how we run our airline, quote unquote. So we need a com competitor to that particular airline. So we're just going to compete against them on how they do it. Right. But if we step back and go, okay, what airline is still here? Many people listening to this don't even know United had another airline named, named Ted. So you could guess that Ted is no longer around and Southwest is. And so you go, okay, well, why didn't work? And, and I often said, because if you only copy that hub and spoke model, but you didn't copy the how they do it, the culture of the, of the airline, the no frills, the, the customer experience, the way they treated their employees, the totality of it, like thinking about it in totality, that mental model was more about that how and the why than just the what are they doing? What do you think? Well, I think, and I think we talked about it on the first one. And so, so people can go back and get a little more detail. I, I think that's partly right. Okay. But I still think that's kind of the business model and the organizational model, and that right. there was an underlying mental model that was fundamentally different. And there were two core aspects of the mental model. One was Herb Keller did not view United and the other airlines as his competition, because that's not who he was out to displace. What he wanted to do was make flying inexpensive enough that people would fly instead of drive or take the bus. He wasn't taking share away. And so the mental model was, this is for people who aren't flying now, we're going to make it affordable. That's a really different mental model of what business we're in. And the other is, and we talked about this the first time, is the mental model there was, we are about flying people, not flying planes. And United was about flying planes, and then people were the products to just fill up the plane. And for, for Herb Keller, we're about moving people, and we want to make it easier for the people to visit grandma by flying instead of driving. And whether we do it in planes or something else, we don't, that's not the point. And so one was about people and one was about assets. That mental model change then led to differences in the organizational model, the HR practices, the business model, all of those other things. But it was that really deep mental model of the, the why, not just the what and the how that really drove it. Love that. So now I'll steal that from you. <laughs> the second thing you I'll steal. You are welcome to it. Absolutely. All right. Okay. So now that leads me to the next one on this sort of jobs to be done. Right. Because yeah. people use that. I talk about it a lot that the that the job to be done remains fairly constant. But what changes so we could let's keep using this example. The job to be done might have been getting from point A to point B. I used right. to drive or I used to train 
you know, when not everyone had cars and then I, you know, drove the car when cars became more affordable and available. Now I have this opportunity for an option that is cost-effective and a great experience in this Southwest example. Now it's an Uber or self-driving cars, which we sort of started at, right? But the, but the job to be done is still point A to point B. You can go back to horse and yep. carriage and buggies to walking across the, you know, Serengeti. Like I got to get from point A to point B does not change. It's the solution that might change. And so right. how would you describe maybe how jobs to be done has either remained the same or changed through this technological transformations we've been involved in for the last 30, 35 years? Well, I think the very core jobs to be done of humanity stay the same. And, and the last time we talked, we talked a bit about shared purpose. And I believe that this notion of purpose is even more important than ever. And just to recap that, a lot of companies are spinning between, you know, what's our purpose and what's our mission. And I think they miss the point, which is there are, there are three kinds of purpose. There's a purpose to, which is what you deliver to your customer. That's your product, your value proposition. There's a purpose for, which is what you do for the world, your values, your contribution. This is where a lot of the corporate citizenship, social responsibility comes in. And there's a lot of back and forth between are we this or are we that? I think there's a third one, which is a shared purpose of what is the purpose with? How do we co-create with all of our stakeholders? And when you go to that level, you unlock exponential growth and opportunity. And the place to find that shared purpose is in a fundamental job to be done that is inherent to being human. You know, let's take Coca-Cola, because you go back to the, I'd like to teach the world to sing, right? You know, Coca-Cola is at its best when what it's doing is bringing happiness. They happen to do that through beverages of some kind. But the job to be done is to bring happiness to people and for people to be happy. That's the ultimate job to be done. And I find that companies are reluctant to get beyond just the job to be done that's about selling something to drive corporate results and to go to a job to be done that's something that everyone wants. Everyone wears the shirt, as I say. And when you start there and work backwards from the, what ultimately is the thing that we are trying to create in the world and we want others to create also, that's really what unlocks the growth that you see in the most successful companies. And that was a great example. And I am guilty of this as well. I think about the other job to be done, right? Like we need liquid, we're dehydrated, or we need, right? Like you think about the corporate job to be done versus the right. feeling of happiness. I don't, I don't know how many people listening to this podcast would be like, the job to be done for Coca-Cola is happiness. I, I don't know how many people would say that, right? right. Versus saying the actual, right, that, job of the corporate job to be done. And so that's a great way to have all three. And just some exa some other examples just to see. So Starbucks has, prospects have risen and fallen. And Howard Schultz talks about this in the auto, his autobiography is they were formed not as a coffee company, but as a third place company to create a third place between home and work for conversation, community, and connection. And when they understood that art, and he really, he talks about all of this in, in our the job to be done was creating a third place through coffee and Wi-Fi and like all of that. Um, Pinterest thinks of themselves as being in the inspiration business. And they actually worked with Stanford professors to 
create a metric for inspiration. And they don't just ask how many likes and users they had during a day. It's how much inspiration did we create today? So I think we need to elevate the job to be done. And then when you have that, that's what creates the inspiration. And that's what enables you to transcend that trade-off that, that you talk so well about in your book of it's about people, it's about employees and customers. And how do we create a job to be done that isn't for one at the expense of the other because employees and customers want to co-create happiness and inspiration and community together? I mean, that's the goal, right? I mean, absolutely, that's the goal. I think it gets very difficult, at least in my work in preparing for the book, The Experience Mindset, is when you have the conversations about that for and with, with executives, you see them start to get very uncomfortable, right? That's the, okay, well, I'm, I can't stand in front of my board and be like, you know, our mission is happiness, right? They're all going to go like, okay, what's the KPI, right? What, what's the revenue? What's the profitability underneath it? And so it's this push and pull. And you could even look at the business roundtable, right? Where it was all about doing well by doing good. And that got a lot of traction. And now you see ERGs and DE&I and lots of things getting, getting pressured, right? That, oh, we pivoted too far to this with and a greater purpose. No, that's not a with, that's a for. And okay. that's exactly the point is the, the kind of ESR and all of those things. That's the, here's what we do for the world. And it feels like it's different than the product. And when you go to it, so that's a four versus a two. When you go to the with, you create an umbrella that includes the two and the four. Because it isn't about, well, we're going to do some philanthropic things to create happiness and inspiration. No, no, no. We deliver our product in order to create that job to be done. And, and a lot of what's driving this, and this is where the mental model comes in, because right, what is our mental model? Is our mental model that that purpose work is over here on the side, reputationally, or is it core to what we do? And what I'm finding is, is that where people can go to that purpose with job to be done is the conversation about exponential. Because most companies are now saying we need some kind of exponential change, exponential growth. We need to double, triple, et cetera. And the point is, is that you will not get that if you are just staying at that purpose two or four. You can't. You've got to go to that higher level. I'll give you a good example of, of having worked with some health systems just to kind of show that this is not you know industry specific. So really interesting conversations with leadership teams and even some boards of are you in the healthcare business or the health business? Because the healthcare is the two or four. The health is the with. And given your aspirations, can you get to where you want to go financially, economically, with just kind of running twice as fast, working twice as hard? No, you're not. You know, that's the getting the caterpillar to run faster. It's like, you know you need to transform into the butterfly. What is going to make that butterfly fly? It's not more care. It's going to be more health, just as an example. I, same conversation I had is, is with a food company, is it's not going to be by selling more food. It's going to be creating more delight. And, and the board gets it because then they can see how it incorporates the, the four, the corporate citizenship work, and the two, 
which is the product development. Well, I think underlying underneath everything you just said, and I mean, that's huge. So I, if you're listening to this, you might want to hit back up, listen to that again, because a lot of conversations I have about innovation and transformation, when you start to peel it back, it's just more care, right? right? It is not, it is very incremental. Yeah. It is not exponential. And it, it is not that I'm thinking exponential and they're thinking incremental or vice versa, right? It's the, they almost can't make the leap because the incremental almost feels overwhelming, at least in my experience, right? Where you're sitting in front of them and you're sort of going like, let's talk about delight, right? And they all look at me like, okay, whatever, we've got to fix A, B, C, right? Very trapped in the incremental. And is it a leader change? Is it a cultural inertia? Is it you need board support? And and also I would say, is it different between size organization? Because I'm sure the companies you just mentioned were enterprises and had boards and you know lots of organizational support. Or if you're a medium-sized company or a small company and you're listening to this, you're like, we're just trying to keep the lights on. Like we are running so hard and fast. I don't know how we would even navigate this. Is it different between these? When you is it leader is it culture is it size is it industry what is a catalyst well you kind of know where i'm going to go it's it's the mental model and and i'll give you an example right now you know we all go back and forth between it what mental model are we using and i'll use the example of the present moment here we are here i am doing this podcast with you i can have an incremental approach which is I have this consulting practice. I want to have clients. I'm on the, in the conversation with you. My business is about my IP. And you're saying, oh, I want to use this and so on. Now, a typical consultant would say, hold on. That's my idea, Tiffany. I, I want to get the credit. I want people to think more of me and, and look me up online and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm going to be gracious and generous. But I really think that you know I want to know how it's going to benefit me. But I don't have that mental model. I have a mental model that has a shared purpose, which is I think we're in the greatest transition in the history of civilization since the printing press. And just as the printing press led to entirely new institutions like the nation state and the corporation, we are in a transition to a new institutional world in which something is going to replace the corporation, representative democracy and the nation state. And we don't have 300 years like we had with the printing press. We've probably got 30. And anything I can do to accelerate that transformation, I want to do. That's my shared purpose. And here's the point that is the leap for the executive team, whether they're a startup or a big enterprise, is that they trust and they do the work so that that shared purpose translates into more business so that they can fulfill that purpose. And the best company at this is Patagonia. And I worked with them to design a board meeting and they're privately held, but they have a board and they go through this and they just changed their mission, by the way, you can go look at it. Their job is to save the planet. That is the job to be done of the company. And so the morning of the board meeting was, how's the planet doing? And the afternoon was, Are we selling enough product to make enough money to do the things we need and want to do in order to save the planet? And there is a flip 
that the two go together. And that's the mental model shift is to see that fulfilling that purpose, if you design the business right to deliver happiness and delight and so on, you actually are going to have better financial results. It's like one click up from the point you make about, no, 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 treating your employees well doesn't take away from treating customer well, it enhances that. So this is just a click up from that. Yeah, and it's sort of this bimodal model, being right. able to think of two things simultaneously, one is not pulling in some kind of balance. It's gonna give and take a little bit, it'll never be 50-50, but you definitely don't wanna find yourself at 95-5 consistently right? Or 80-20 consistently. You want to make sure you're flexing back and forth as much as you can, right? I'd love it to stay even, but it's almost unrealistic. Maybe. Well, there's a mental model, which is even that is, is like the flexing back and forth. And we have this notion of balance because we have a mental model like a scale of it's this or that, but it's still this or that. And that's a way to create balances with a scale. But here, I'm just going to give you an epiphany. How does a gyroscope create balance? Not like teeter-totter, right? Not one versus the other through motion. And a bicycle is actually gyroscopic. You don't balance a bicycle by leaning left or right. You balance a bicycle by pedaling forward. And so that's where we need to get to is, is it isn't even a balance between the two trade-off, 80-20, 50-50. It's a whole different model that says, no, we're going to do both. Just like you say, it's about employees and customers. We don't alternate between, well, today we're going to focus on the customer. Tomorrow we're going to focus on the employee. It's a gyroscope of both at the same time. Absolutely. And, and the way I sort of frame that is I say, look, we've done a really good job focusing on one for a really long time, customer in this case. And so the next time you're sitting at a meeting and you're having, you know, with your executive team or your team or whomever it might be, and someone starts talking about customer, I want you to just make a little note and then they just go, okay, what about the employee? Like if we just get into the habit of, then it becomes, it's always both, right? Versus right. one is an afterthought. Go. So my invitation is to say, find that shared purpose that is a job to be done for humanity, whether it's delight or happiness or health or inspiration or whatever it is for your business that goes back into the DNA. And then every time when the customer comes up, it's how do we delight our customer? How do we create happiness for a customer? And then when you turn to the employee, similarly, it's how do we create delight, happiness, health, et cetera, for our employee and for our partners, for our community members. For I worked with a pharmaceutical company where once we shifted them into a shared purpose, they now started to relate to regulators differently but they were bringing their shared purpose rather than their product. And it completely transformed the relationship they had with the regulators. So this is the way to transcend it is, is to drive that purpose into all of your stakeholder groups. And then you don't have to be doing the back and forth. It's just a natural expression that automatically lines up and creates both alignment and autonomy, which is the goal of a network organization. So I'm an individual contributor. I'm like, I'm all in. I'm screaming at the podcast. Yes, Mark. Yes. Right. Like I get it. I get it. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Now what? Because if you're a small business or a medium business or an enterprise, it might be different. And when I say different, I mean more different in the sense, if you're a really small company and you're listening to this, you wear the hat of seven people, right? You know what I mean? Like, so you're arguing with yourself Easier in some ways, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the time, yeah. right? And so, you know, how could someone approach this if it was kind of small, medium, and or more complex in, in organization? 
Well, I like to say instead of a kind of top-down or bottom-up, which keeps you in a hierarchical model, right? There's a mental model here about organization, hierarchy or network. Top-down, bottom-up is hierarchy. We want to move to a network model because that's what enables exponential. So the advantage of that is, is instead of top-down, bottom-up, it's ripple out. What's the pebble you can drop in the pond that's going to ripple out? And the beauty of that is, is if you're in a small company, well, you know, you may be the whole pond. If you're in a midsize or larger company, you, you have yourself, you have your team. Start there, figure out the DNA of the company, figure out what that shared purpose is and start to put that into practice into everything you do. And you know what'll happen? It's that when Harry met Sally, I'll have what she's having. It's like people start to go, what is going on over there? They are crushing it. What are you doing? And it's like, we're just creating delight or health or happiness or inspiration. It's like, well, what do you mean? Like, here, let me show you. Da, 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 da. And you start to show the things. And, and then the mental model ripples way faster than a business process. But it will inform the business process change. It will inform the cultural change. So that's the thing is just start where you are. I couldn't agree more. And ironically, and, and Mark, you don't actually know this, twice, two times, two books, I tried to name The Ripple Effect. Literally. <laughs> I didn't know that. Perfect. I know. Both my books, Growth IQ and The Experience Mindset. Try to next make one. Ne the no, next yeah, there's, I, don't, I don't have a next one in me. But um, I use it as a metaphor because I'm a visual, listen, tactile learner, right? Not a read learner. So Ripple Effect visually to me, I get it right away right? Yeah. Like the pebble skips, you watch the rings grow, you know, the pebble skips. And then as time, that pebble will eventually die. And that's kind of where it fell apart because I didn't ever want the pebble to sink. You know, if I use the <laughs> metaphor in the story of the book, it kind of, at some point it sinks. <laughs> and if you don't throw the pebble right, it skips once, right? And that doesn't have it. But, you know, in theory, I digress, in theory, that, that it would have worked. But that's where my publisher and publicist were just like, yeah, it, it works until it doesn't work. But anyway, so, you know, I, I think that transformation, innovation, they're big words. And in many ways, they get misunderstood around incremental change, like little pivots, little shifts to something that is that network model, right? Where you're collectively have a mindset, like mental model, right? And I called the book, The Experience Mindset on purpose because I needed the mindset to shift, right? Yep. Around thinking differently about growth, not being siloed and all the things we've been talking about. But yet there are still incremental steps that have to happen, I'm guessing, to get to exponential. Yes. And this is... Part of the challenge we have is, is that our mental model of a company comes out of that Newtonian mechanical world. So we think that we can just, you know, you can swap out the spark plugs separately from the tires on a car. We don't think systemically. And so we think like, oh, well, we'll just change the culture or we'll change the business model or we'll change the this. And it all has to go together. And this is where we don't have the thinking yet. This is what I'm trying to, to propagate is what is that new system that enables us to operate in a network way, an exponential way? I'll, I'll give you an example. 
and and since you're visual, you'll uh, you'll probably like this. I use a lot of nature metaphors rather than kind of corporate best practices because nature works systemically. Nature works exponentially. It's a better model for us. And if you compare how geese fly and starlings flock, like those beautiful murmurations. So geese are very hierarchical, right? There's a goose at the front. They have the V formation. You flap opposite the, the goose in front. Like they're process engineers where geese are process engineers. Starling's totally different. There's no one in charge of a murmuration of a flock, right? It is, and yet it's quite coordinated beautifully, but every bird operates independently. Well, that's kind of the model we want as an organization. How do they do that? Not because some bird sends out like, hey, we're going over here. It's with a shared purpose and decision principles. And for the, the murmuration for the flock, it's move to the center, follow your neighbor, and don't collide. And it's those three principles rather than a process that enable it to operate that way. Different mental model. But that's an example of how as a company, we're still trying to get the, the, the geese to be more agile. And we're not operating in a mental model that actually enables the thing that we say we want because A, I call this the trapeze of change. You don't let go of the old bar until you have a new one to go to. There isn't so much resistance as there is a lack of knowledge of what that future might look like and how we could operate that way. Mic drop. I think the metaphor was awesome and so great to end on. And now everyone listening is going to take that to their next meeting and be like, it's kind of like the geese. Like this is right. And someone's going to look at them like, okay, like what podcast or TED talk did you listen to over the weekend? <laughs> because Perfect. that was awesome. That was awesome, Mark. And so with that, if you're also moved, you know, how can people keep in touch with you, your work for shift thinking? And I know that you're going to have Epiphany Labs and really help people become more explorers as they find what's next. Oh, thank you. I would say go to www.shift.to, shift.2 for shift thinking. Sign up for the newsletter. I haven't been active for a while, but I'm about to relaunch with Epiphany Labs and new models of getting these mental models out to people. And so that's the best way to stay in touch. Awesome. Well, Mark, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of What's Next. I'm your host, Tiffany Bova. Please don't forget to subscribe, share with your friends, leave some feedback, and I appreciate you spending some time with us here today. 